Welcome back, my friends, to the 11 Dubcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Step inside, okay. step inside. Uh, I'm Michael Citro. I'm Sean Aginner. Yes. Who is, well, okay, what, which band is that? I forget. That's Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, my friend. There you go. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's Carnival 9, actually. Nice. Uh, so, Johnny, Ohio State with a massive 28-3 to win yeah. uh, over the week the weekend at Illinois in the wind tunnel. And I've seen a lot of griping on Twitter. I've seen a lot of griping in the comments about the fact that Ohio state didn't win more handily against Illinois. And, you know, I have to say I'm okay with 28, three, especially when you consider, uh, especially when you consider the fact that it really should have been 35, three. Yeah. I mean, that, that was some BS. I mean, that first drive was a touchdown. I mean, the first one was, was correctly called short of the goal line. The second – I mean, I just don't understand how you can be up to your knees. Everything above your knees is in the end zone, and yet there's no visual evidence that you're in the end zone. Yeah, that was that was stupid. That was very deeply stupid. And I wasn't angry at the time because I knew that they were going to beat Illinois. I didn't feel like there was any kind of, like, danger that Illinois was going to pull the upset. They got – I think one of the things that you can look towards if you do want to feel nervous and bad about this game is – is the several long passing plays that they gave. I think they gave up maybe four or five passing plays of 25 yards or more, but they completely clamped down on the running game. They had zero running game whatsoever, and I don't know. You know, I understand people expected JT to come back and it would look like the Rutgers game and they would just blow them out by 40, but it's fine. It's champagne. It's windy as crap. It's, it's, it's you know... Illinois is what it is. It's not a game that we typically blow them out in. And maybe that just has something to do with Memorial Stadium. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that it feels like we tend to play them right before we have a huge game the following week. But, you know, I'm not sweating it. I might be sweating it in the second quarter <laughs> on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, you know, when everybody's fears are realized. But for right now, I'm not too concerned about it. It's uh, I think it's the wooden turtle that does it. Yeah. Well, you know, and I love Illabuck. Like I, like I know a lot of people like ah, who cares about or they act all sarcastic about it. like yeah. Well, I, I legitimately enjoy Illabuck, and I'm glad we won it and retained it. And I think yeah. it's gonna be a couple years before we play Illinois again, which is kind of sad to me. Uh, they're actually our oldest and greatest rival, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> they used to be the last game. They used to be before Michigan was the game. Yeah. Illinois was the game. Illinois was actually the last game for many years in the early going. Yeah, and and you know by greatest, I mean like we've played them the most. We actually have played them more than Michigan, I believe. But you know, look, it's it's a good game for a tune up. It's a good game for the offensive line, hopefully, to realize that they got to play better than that if they want to beat the likes of Michigan State and Michigan. But you know, Zeke went crazy, and, and he didn't have one of those signature long runs, but he was consistently, especially in the second half. And I think I'm actually going to. I'm really interested to see how the Michigan State game plays out because he is significantly better as a running back in the second half. Like, it's not like a little bit better. He is incredibly better in the second half uh, to the tune of something like two and a half, three yards per carry better. I don't know why that works out the way it does. I mean, you, you would expect there to be some uptick just, you know, by wearing down the defense, but he is much, much, much better as a second half running back. And, you know, we'll see if that trend continues against Michigan State. Yeah, as Ramsey said, Ohio State's offense basically this year is run the same three or four plays the whole first half, 
wear out the defense, and then just let Zeke go crazy yeah. in the second half. And fine. I mean, if that works, if that's what's going to happen, then let it happen. I'm not going to be upset about something that's working. It's yeah. not as complete, maybe, as what we saw at the end of last season, or even, honestly, when JT Barrett was really just on a complete roll towards the end of uh, you know what he was doing last year. But if it works, it works. And you know I'm not going to complain about wins that are by what 25 points when you really wanted like 35 but again it's a two-game season I mean we I think we always knew that these last two games were really the two games that we really had to care about and that yeah. remains the case the pass is prelude we, we actually have to care about these games now and I, I think the team's going to respond to the challenge I am not super concerned about them coming out this Saturday and looking like they have in most of the games. <laughs> no, but seriously, you know what I'm saying? No, like, I agree. I, I agree because here's the thing. The two biggest games leading up to these last two, and we we always said don't stub your toe before the last sure. two. And they that's, didn't. The, that's the way the schedule is going. It, 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 but the two biggest games were Penn State and Virginia Tech, and, Ohio, and those were Ohio State's best games yeah, of the year. They handled them. And, and look, and this is even with Cardell Jones not being very good. Okay, I mean, not bad, honestly, but mediocre. And then JT yeah. Barrett obviously losing his starting position for a game because it was stupid OVI. And then now he's back, and it looked kind of meh. But, again, you didn't stub your toe. And if you look at the rest of the country, granted, Ohio State had a really, really easy schedule to this point. But there are a lot of teams that also didn't have that great of schedules, and they're sitting at, like, you know, what, 8-2. and two. You know, like, they have yeah. lost games. Ohio State has not. They have avoided the pitfalls. Uh, even with a wide receiving core that is not really doing what they need to be doing, and an offensive line which at times has not looked great, especially in pass protection and especially at right tackle. Um, but, again, they're there. They're undefeated. If they remain so, they're going to be in the playoff. You know, we're going to learn a lot about this team this weekend. And if I suspect that they're going to be all right. But if not, then, you know, you can come out and say, I told you so, and blah, blah, I look terrible. But... Frankly, I, I think the pieces are still there to be a very dominant and a very good team, especially the defense. Defenses look fantastic, especially Joey Bosa. Yeah. Holy crap. The defense is ahead of last year's defense, yes, for sure. I agree. Um, I, I, one of the things that struck me about this game is that it looked like a very vanilla, let's not show anybody anything kind of offensive yeah. output. Yeah. It was like, I let's think, run I these same kind of couple plays. Uh, they didn't really take many shots. They didn't even try to get Braxton Miller involved, and, and Braxton ended up with two touches late, but it was like, you know, they didn't. That yeah, was that good, was too. It's like, okay, don't let Braxton get hurt, so we don't really need him for this game, so let's not just keep pounding him up in there. There was no Wildcat at all. Nope. And, um, you know, didn't really get Jalen involved a whole lot. It was It was just more of a, we've got this. This is not a hard game. Let's just go out and just take care of business and it does we're not going to show anybody anything. Yeah. And the hope is this never happens, but the hope is that they're they've been saving this special magic play <laughs> for the good games, right? The little giants. It, yeah, and then it, you know, you get into those games and it's like, oh, they just did the same things they always did. They just right. executed better, you know. Right. Like but these guys, they're going to up their intensity for these games. They know they're the biggest games. And if if everything breaks right, Ohio State wins on Saturday, and Penn State wins at, against Michigan, then they've they've already won the Eastern Division right. with a game to spare. And they're, so. and they're, well, I mean, I will say this, though. I'm not so sure that – I don't know. I mean, that that's really interesting. So let's say – let's play a little hypothetical. Let's say Ohio State right. 
maybe loses to Michigan, they're still in the Big Ten championship game. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they're in the the playoff. I think they're out in that event. Honestly, like I, I think if you lo- like, look, you can overcome losses, but I don't. I, I think it's got to be before November starts. I think that that kills it for the playoff for them. Well, here's what saves them: uh, Notre Dame still got to play Stanford. That's true. Yeah. Um, Who I and, actually I think they'll lose to. I do think that Stanford and the Big Twelve still could cannibalize itself. And the other thing is that that helps Ohio State is, is if they beat Michigan State and lose to Michigan. The other thing that helps them is Iowa is highly ranked. True. So if they get there and beat Iowa, they're still okay. And I think I think they're still in. It, that's just my opinion. I think that if yeah. they if they lost a road game against a rival, especially if it was a close game. Um, and then beat a, a, a top five ranked Iowa team. I think they would be in. In fact, I think Iowa would move into the top four uh, for the week before leading up they, to that game. I so. think they would too. I just I I don't know. I, I think the Big Twelve honestly, unless the Big Twelve completely cannibalizes itself, right? Like they it just goes. I I think unless there is a clear victor in the Big Twelve, which again they've shot their themselves in the foot, right, by not <laughs> having a conference championship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and TCU's lost. Baylor's lost. Yeah. Oklahoma has a loss. Right. Um, so, I mean, Oklahoma's that team with the early loss trying to work their way back up into it. Right. But they still have some tough games left, and they're, they're still bedlam. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I think you make a good point, dude. I, I It's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. I, I don't think they'll lose to Michigan, honestly. Just having seen the body of work from both teams, I mean, Michigan is a vastly improved team from what they were. I mean, it's not even close. But they're gonna have basically Jake Rudock's basically gonna have to win that game for this. Let's talk about Michigan for a minute. Um, <laughs> All right. How mad on a scale of one to ten? How Even mad were you? Is, is Michigan State. How, how mad were you that Indiana wanged at the end of that oh game? Oh my god, I was furious. That was so I bad. Mean, damn it, Hoosiers! You, you, you had them. They they had to hold one play at the end of the game. They had to play one. One game, they one play that they had to stop, and they couldn't do it. Well, and what's frustrating to me is like you're you're somehow able to just run all over Michigan, right? And instead, mm-hmm. you're right at the goal line. Instead of just keep doing what you want to do, you Pete Carroll the situation. You get too, yep. you get too smart, and you decide to throw the ball. And it's just like just run the ball. Like, look, I understand, and, and people have talked about the Super Bowl. It's a higher percentage play. Mm-hmm. It's not that much higher. We're not talking like. A fit, like a play that works 75% of the time versus a play that works 30% of the time, it's basically a 50-50 proposition either way. You might as yeah. well go with what's been working. And I, I don't know why you get away from that. Kevin Wilson outcoached himself. Uh, you saw, you looked, saw you know, Harbaugh. Harbaugh's on the sidelines, like completely befuddled. Uh, I don't know how they got away with that win. That was yeah. really... Really stupid, incredibly entertaining game, but God, I'm yeah. Indiana. And they always do this. If that were Purdue, Purdue wins, right? Purdue yeah. sinks yeah. Michigan's boat. But Indiana is Indiana, and they screwed it up. It's, it, God dang, that was irritating. That was really annoying. That was the second time because Minnesota did it too. Yeah, they did. Yes. Minnesota had them, and they, and they let them off the mat. I, I think it was interesting because Indiana's offense is a check with me. Yep. And so they all look over at the at the sideline to get the play from Kevin Wilson. Right. And I think I think Kevin Wilson lost his nerve because Michigan looked look like we're sending everybody <laughs> right at right at Jordan Howard. There's no way Jordan Howard's gonna beat us. And then that was just a show because when you look at the play again they back off. They didn't have as many guys rushing at, at Howard as you would have thought. And right. you know, for my money, you got an NFL left tackle, you got an NFL caliber running back. 
you're at the one yard line. Or actually, they were about the one. Not even that. Right. Because because there you was just the sneak the, it in the, at the that point. Honestly, yeah. it's like okay, give it to Howard. If he doesn't get in, you know, at least you took your best shot. You don't. You want to lose with your best shot, right? Right. And that, that you don't want to lose with your it. not best shot. Yeah. That was dumb. I mean, I don't think I don't think Nate Sudfeld had thrown a pass in like their last. <laughs> I don't know, like sixteen <laughs> plays or something like that. No. I mean, everything was a run. Yeah, look, and especially when you're Indiana, and that's going to make or break your season. Like literally, like that's if you win that game, whatever else happened during your season is irrelevant because that is something that you can really like take to the bank and build on. But yeah, that was dumb. That that was a dumb finish in a lot of ways. But that's why you're Indiana, and that's why you're Kevin Wilson, and it, it was <clears throat> it was stupid. Um, you know. and that's why Kevin Wilson's going to be looking for work. Well, I don't know. He, you know, he enamors people with the offense, and people really like watching it. And I, I don't know that Indiana fans have their, you know, these expectations sky high or anything. But yeah, yeah. The problem, the problem too for Indiana is that it's going to be a very uh, poor job market. Um, True. There's going to be a lot of teams looking, and so in the, if you're Indiana, you're like, I don't know, number twelve, number thirteen uh, on the list yeah. of these top candidates. Yeah. So agreed. All right, so um, you know Ohio State's other major um, revenue sport started this week, John. It did basketball, yay! Yeah, we're gonna we got a basketball Jones here at uh, the Eleventh Upcast, and uh, our, our special guest this week is going to talk a little bit more about this game. But uh, you know, what do you think about the big win over Mount St. Mary's? I mean, it's, it's Mount St. Mary's, right? Like whatever. Yeah, it is. And I know, <laughs> I know, you were poo pooing a little bit, and I know you are not very bullish on this team. I look. I, I think there's a lot of. I know there's a lot of potential on this, and, and I and granted, they did not look especially towards the end as good as they should have. Uh, you're talking like you look at all the turnovers, right? Like yeah. the turnovers are bad. Uh, the penalties were not great, but you can just penalties? see what's up. Penalties? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the fouls and stuff. I don't the know. Fouls, yeah. I'm still in, I'm still in football mode. I'm still in football, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> That's the ref right. threw the flag, and then you know the umpire came out and tossed him out of the game. Yeah, Target picked up a home plate and threw it in the stands. Um, but the fouls that were being called were bad. You know, look, I, the latent talent that you can see on the team, I think, is pretty self-evident. Jason Tate is is going to be very, very, very good, but it's just it's it's a development process. And while I don't think this is a team that's going to be going deep into the NCAA tournament or anything like that, especially in like the murderer's row that is the Big Ten this year. I mean, I thought the Big Ten for the past couple of years has kind of fallen off the map a little bit. Screw that. They are back. This is this is a tough, tough conference. Uh, man, that's going to be a meat grinder of a, a conference schedule. But I think they're going to improve quite a bit. And what I really like is that they're a super high-energy team, and, and that's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to watch them develop. I, I think this team has a lot of talent, but it's all very young talent. So I'm just yeah. tempering my <clears throat> managing fair. my expectations for this it. year. You know, I looked at this game and I went, "They're they're making a ton of mistakes, and they're not going to they're going to get burned by it against a good team." But obviously, against the Mount St. Mary's, you can you can get away with that and just win on talent. Sure. But it's, um, you know, there are some guys that stood out to me. I think that uh, Jake Juan Lyle looks really good. I think that um, I like what I saw from Giddens. Thought that you know of the of the big guys, I thought he looked good. I liked uh, Bates Diop and I, of course Jay Sean Tate. So yeah. I think there's some good players. I'd like to see more of Austin Grandstaff. What do you think of Thad will do with his rotation this year? He's always notoriously got a short bench. 
Do you think that changes with with not knowing what he has and having such a young team and the talent spread out so much? I, mean, I think it has to, right? I mean, granted, he he loves those two deep benches, you know, and I, I think part of that is because he's the kind of guy who just likes to know what he has. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think he doesn't like to tinker. I think he just likes to pick something and ride or die with it. Mm-hmm. With that said, I mean, when you have a team that's this ridiculously young, like who's <laughs> the elder statesman is Mark Loving, right? Like. Yeah. <laughs> like, you look at the rest of the team. I mean, Mark Loving, again, is a good player in his own right, but, like, you, you really got to try some stuff out. Giddens, you know, scored 11 points. He shot really well. He got some rebounds. Like, that's maybe not a guy you expected to have a lot of contributions, but I think you have to look at the entire bench and, and really just say, all right, who's going to come in and, and be this guy, especially at the beginning of the season? I mean, before you hit conference play, you've got to try out as many combinations as you can because if that Mata does want to just go to a short bench and figure out who his you know, key rotation is, you, you've got to determine that, and that's not going to be found out in practice or before the season starts. So, you know, again, they're going to take their lumps, but I think it's going to be worth it if they can figure out who that core group of guys is going to be. So I, I think he extends the bench at least initially, and then uh-huh. once the season starts, he can get into it. Yeah, and one of the guys I was really looking forward to seeing is, is not available in Mickey Mitchell, <laughs> right. so that's... What's going on with the Mitchell family, man? Why do we have such bad luck with that? I don't know. Uh, so, you know, we'll get more into the basketball with our extra special secret guest. And um, <laughs> Right. But you already know who it is because you read yeah, the post. because you read the post. Yeah, exactly. Scooty um, Yeah, unless you just download it directly from iTunes. You might it's not. Scooty Pen. Spoiler alert. So Scooty Pen. Okay, Scooty Pen. Um, it's out there. Uh, so let's get to some Ask Us Anything, Johnny. Why don't you tell our uh, our listeners how they can do that? Okay, you can ask us anything two ways. You can send us an email to uh, dubcast at D-U-B-C-S-T at 11warriors.com, or send us a Twitter question uh, at 11dubcast. Yes. Yeah, spell out 11. Yes. So we've got uh, Shaddy on the, on the Twitters has uh, asked us a question. All right, let's do these Twitter ones. All right, I love guessing who the last player introduced on Senior Day will be, but this year, no doubt, it's it's Braxton. Who do you think will be second to last, Johnny? Who is second to last? Oh man, that's a good question. I mean, I you know like sometimes it isn't the guy you think. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I think Braxton deserves it just because of all the ridiculous stuff that he's been through and done. I don't know. I think it might be like a sleeper, maybe it, you know, or maybe it's alphabetical. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Who do you think, Michael? Because I'm, well, I'm, I'm kind of stumped on this. I agree that Braxton will be last. I think that the second to last will be Taylor Decker. Taylor Decker? That's, that's what I think. Yeah. I, it could be Adolphus Washington. But See, I that's who I was thinking, and, and partly because of the alphabetical thing. But also, <laughs> like I think Adolphus – here's the thing about Adolphus Washington, right? This is why I was going to say him. And, and look, I, I don't know how much clout he has in the locker room, but I just have this feeling that he is really, really well-respected on the team. And that's really, like, I have no, like, look, I have no inside information whatsoever or any of that. But that's why I was going to say him, like, I don't know. I, I just feel like maybe he's the dude that, that people really want to, like, cheer for, it, you know, at the teammate level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe so. All right, so what do we got uh, in the in the emails? So that, that was, that was all, we That's all we got on Twitter. On Twitter? For Twitter, yeah. And, and Web 2.0 of our I know, I know. We, a bunch of old people listen to us. <laughs> um, but I do want to say that if we didn't get to your uh, 
message or your question might be because we we did this a night early this week yes. due to our uh, our guest schedule. So right um, if we didn't get to it, we'll get to it next week. So uh, what do we got in the email right. there? So first one in the email, this is from Alvin, uh, a.k.a. Asian Chipmunk. Oh, I just got that. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, game day sign ideas and who do you want to think the guest picker will be, Michael? Uh, the guest picker, I know you have a definite uh, person that you Yeah, we've already talked about this on Slack, but yes. yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, I want to know who you think. Um, I think I think it might be LeBron. LeBron? I hope I it think is. It might, I actually I think really it might be LeBron. That would be cool as heck. Yeah, he's going to be uh, – the Cavs have a home game, I guess, that night. Yep. So uh, he have he would have time, obviously, to, to do that and then go – Go back up to um, Cleveland, and he's not the kind of guy that you really care if he misses the the morning shoot around. <laughs> right, I think be <laughs> it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Game day sign ideas. Um, I really like sign ideas that point out the fact that you're holding a sign. I think those are my some of my favorites. Okay. Um, but yeah, any any grumpy Mark D'Antonio sign would be good. I, I think we'll see a lot of grumpy D'Antonio stuff. I, hope so. I think. We'll, I think we'll see a lot of just um, not giving a damn about the whole state of Michigan. I think that'll that'll be a, a common theme in the in the signs because we got the back to back Mitten State schools, right? Um, and there'll probably be some anti Harbaugh stuff going on. Yeah, I would. I want to honestly like I've always kind of liked Michigan State, and I really like Mark D'Antonio. I want to see some brotherhood signs. I want to see some signs just basically dissing on Michigan the entire time. You know what I mean? Like, I think it would be hilarious is instead of, like, ripping on Michigan State, every single sign at game day is just talking about how Michigan sucks. I think that would be hilarious. Yeah. So I think just something related to that would be delicious and amazing. Uh, like, guess- do they even know they're playing a ranked team tonight? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, guest picker. So I'm on record as thinking R.L. Stein is going to be the guy just because mm-hmm. he is an Ohio State grad. Uh, and, you know, kind of a movie came out about Goosebumps and whatever with Jack Black. So I think it might be R.L. Stein, but, man, I actually I really hope it's LeBron. I think that would be cool as heck. I might actually watch College Game Day if that's the case. Uh, um, yeah, right? All right, so this is from Jason Wyatt. Uh, he says, my wife calls me a beer nerd. Find me on Untapped. Uh, as such, <laughs> I love trying new and different beers. Unfortunately, the state of Michigan produces some very good beer, but I will never fully enjoy it knowing it has the stain of Michiganers' hands on it. Is this a rational take, or should I be able to set aside my anti-Michigan bias for the love of hops? What say you, Lars in New Jersey? Okay, Lars. Um, yeah, Lars, sorry. There's nothing wrong, first of all, there's nothing wrong with being a beer nerd. Yeah. Uh, second of all, as a beer nerd, you should know that there's, there's so many breweries, so many good beers out there, and so many untried beers. I mean, all you got to do is like go to World of Beer once and just yeah. look at their menu. That you never, ever have to sully your hands with a Michigan beer, ever. Yeah. I mean, look, you Ohio never... has many, many delicious beers, including Land Grant Brewery in Columbus, Ohio. Yes. All right? Which you should all try out, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, but there are plenty of places in, in Ohio in general that just are, are delicious, have delicious beer, okay? And I, mm-hmm. I don't know that why, like, I get that you want to have a, a fully formed palate and, and experience all the beers that the world has to offer, but eh, I think you can take the hit and, and skip out on Michigan in general. Yeah, yeah, just skip it. There's plenty of beer to be had elsewhere. Yeah, agree. Uh, okay, so next one here is from Gregory Metz, and he Yay. starts his out, Starts out his email by saying, hello, boys, I'm back, in a delicious reference to Independence Day. And um, Randy Quaid, who 
wow, that dude has got some issues. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, hey, fellows, hope the weekend was grand. Uh, first question, favorite toy that you had when you were a kid? What's your favorite toy that you had when you were a kid, Michael? Oh, man, I, I had two that I really liked, and um, one was called a crazy car. Okay. And it was sort of um, – it wasn't a big wheel, but it was it was a uh, – you'd sit in it. Yeah. And it had these two big red wheels, and you hand-cranked them. Okay. And so you could do one forward, one backward to turn, you know, like do sharp turns and things like that. Yeah. That was pretty and sweet. That, yeah, that was pretty cool. I like that. And then the other one was I had Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Ooh, nice. And that, so that's a classic toy. That I, is classic. I had this, so when I was a little kid, like when I was a little kid, I was obsessed with Top Gun. I thought Top Gun was like the best movie in the history of the world. I'd probably seen it like 500 times. <laughs> By the way, I'm also pretty sure my parents always fast forwarded through like the sex scenes and stuff because I watched it later when I was an older kid. And I'm like, I don't remember like two thirds of this movie. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but I had this like, I had this little uh, like Tomcat toy where like it had like, a handle on it, kind of like a gun handle, and you could fly it around and make it make different noise and stuff. I probably spent hours pretending I was like Tom Cruise. Actually, I like Goose better than Tom Cruise. So I pretended I was Goose and like navigating and like calling out stuff, and I, I love that. That was probably my favorite toy. Uh, that was that was pretty legit. Uh, he does have a philosophical question, which he uh, kind of admits that he's BSing because he wanted to ask about cookies, but he couldn't think of anything. Anyway, uh, Michael, is it possible for a beautiful painting to not be good, and likewise a good painting to not be beautiful? Yes, and the reason I say that is because it's art is is all about your perception. Yeah, art subjective. And is it, it is, and you can have. I mean, that's how people get away with with liking Miley Cyrus songs. <laughs> they're terrible, but to some people, they're really, really beautiful songs. Yeah, it's true. Um, and so the, the same applies to sculpture and painting and I would say, poetry and, and literature and everything. You know what? I would say, Michael, that sometimes it's necessary for art not to be beautiful, to be good. Sometimes I think you have to call to light the ugliness of life and society. And, you know, I, I think that sometimes art has to be gross and ugly for, you know, to reflect our own lives. Which, yeah, no one thinks no one thinks Mona Lisa's a babe. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like, and, and first of all, like, some of the, my favorite painting, I think, I mean, there's a lot of paintings I really love, but maybe one of my favorites is Guernica, right, where it's, you know, the, the depiction of the bombing of the Spanish city by Pablo Picasso. Like, that is not a beautiful painting. It's a chaotic, scary, like, you know, just all over the place painting. It's gigantic. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm a big fan of it. Like that's one of my favorite pieces of art. So, yeah. Hopefully, I pronounced it correctly. <laughs> uh, that sounds right. Yeah, I mean, America, yeah, I think that's pretty good. I'm, the I'm same sure. same thing sort of applies. There's a there's a yes song called "The Gates of Delirium," which is a, a a song about war, and it's a it's got an incredibly beautiful like end piece, like end section. But there's a middle section that is very chaotic and very sort of all over the place and you know, and, and it's, it's, there's a lot of tension in it yeah. and it's not necessarily a pleasant listen. That section is not really pleasant to listen to necessarily, but because it's not the end part is just that much more sublime when it gets to it. There you go. I mean, so, look, not, uh, not every song can be the wondrous beauty of a, you know, a Katy Perry or a Kesha or a Miley Cyrus or, you know, One Direction or Justin <laughs> Bieber, basically all they, the, yeah, they can't all come in like a wrecking ball. That's right. Uh, and that's it. I think that's all the questions that we have on, on the email. 
Well, thanks, guys. We appreciate you asking us anything on Twitter and in uh, email. So uh, keep them coming and, and don't procrastinate because every once in a while, like this week, we do uh, record a night early. So get those uh, get those questions in as soon as you possibly can. All right. Well, of course, it is football season still for a few more weeks anyway. Uh, and uh, as always, we're joined by Matt Finkus for Finkus on Football. Matt, how are you tonight? I am fantastic as always, fellas. Awesome. That's good to hear. I'm really glad because uh, <laughs> I know there's a lot of uh, a lot of angst out there in the universe because we only <laughs> won 28 to three at Illinois after having a touchdown somehow not called a touchdown. Um, but yet, you know, it's nice that people can go on and live their lives, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. with only, with only a 25 point road win. Um, right. but we you know, I think we've covered Illinois, Johnny and I sufficiently, I would like to turn our attention towards Sparty and ask you about Connor Cook and, uh, is he going to be ready to go? And I know he said he is, but, uh, you know, what is your uh, opinion of, uh, what we're going to see from Connor Cook? Because he's a pretty good quarterback. He's a really good quarterback. I think it's going to be uh, one of the matchups that that um, Ohio State can really try to exploit. Though I think that when you look at this Michigan State offensive line and the injuries that they've had, the shuffling of the offensive linemen, and, and you know having to having to really just kind of patch and work it together for most of the year, I think it matches up great with our defensive line, who's really starting to come into their own. And if you can, if you got a guy who's hurt already, and you start putting some hits on him, you know that that's going to compound. That's going to start to get into his head. And I think that's a, that's one of the really good matchups Ohio State has. So what's really interesting about this matchup, I think both of the defensive lines are have the opportunity to really make some hay against. The, I mean, if, if our offensive line pass protects like they did last week against Illinois, so. Shalit Calhoun is going to have a field day. So, you know, hopefully they're going back and getting that fixed and, and, and you know, going to be a little bit better with that. But uh, I, I think that this is going to be an interesting one to watch in the trenches because both offensive lines are, are kind of uh, not, not hitting their stride right now for different reasons. I think just Ohio State just – I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just an anomaly game last week. But Michigan State has had the injury. So uh, that, that, those are the matchups I think that are going to be really interesting. But if Connor Cook is on his game – He's a very dangerous quarterback. They don't quite have the weapons that they did, uh, you know, a couple years ago. But he's he's a guy who he's super experienced. He's been around forever, and you know he he's not going to be taken aback by the situation of it being you know Ohio State and 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 that that everything that comes with that. So I think it'll be interesting to, to see how good he's going to be and how, you know what the injury status is. Yeah, you know, one of the things I was thinking about, I mean, just watching the game, you could tell the offensive line really was not maybe up to par, at least where they want to be, you know, especially at right tackle. How do they negate, you know, what something like a guy like Shelly Calhoun can bring to the game? I mean, what do you do? Like, do you run a different set of plays? Do you just kind of double them and hope that somebody else doesn't burn you? I mean, what do you think the strategy is there? Yeah, I think, I mean, if you go back and look at, at – uh some of the game plan when Cardell Jones was playing where, you know, they were, they were running two man routes and, you know, doing max protection quite a bit. I think that's probably what you're going to see a little bit more of um, with Shalik Calhoun, you know, keeping that tight end in and, and really forcing him to, to really work through a couple people to, to be able to get to the quarterback. 
Um, but, but yeah, I think, I think you're going to see a lot more tight end max protection, you know, leaving Zeke in the backfield to be able to, to, you know, to help out with that pass protection as well, because you just, you've got to be able to have some consistency in there. You've got to be able to have uh, that quarterback feel comfortable in the pocket and be able to sit in there and, and, and make the throws. And, and I think that's, that's the most important thing. And, you know, we're getting into, we're going to play two really good defenses and, and pressure defenses as well. And then, you know, we, we know that the offensive line has done a lot better uh, at picking up the blitz packages that, that other teams are going to run against us. But I think a lot of it last week was just one-on-one battles, and, and Ohio State was losing those one-on-one battles, and hopefully those guys will uh, will shore that up. You know, Matt, the marquee games this season uh, coming into the year, obviously we're, we were back-loaded on the schedule, but the early season ones were Virginia Tech and Penn State, and, and you could argue that Ohio State played its best football in those games. Is this group... You know, do they need to get up for big opponents, and and is that when they bring their A game, or is this just a matter of, you know, there's so much parity in college football that you know it, that's just a coincidence, and you know they they just uh, you know struggled with other opponents because other opponents have raised their game. Well, I think that that if you go back and look at at Urban's career, not just at Ohio State, I mean he's a great big game coach. I mean he really, really is. I mean he he shows up and his team show up whether it was, you know, the Utah team or the Florida teams, very rarely were they in a big-time, you know, marquee matchup and didn't come out on top. I mean, even, yeah, probably that one uh, loss to Alabama in the SEC championship game when they were trying to repeat in 09, I think. You know, that was probably the, the only big marquee matchup game that I can remember. I mean, and then, you know, he had those struggles there in, in year two with Michigan State and with Clemson. But other than that, you know he's a he's a great big game coach and he, and he I think he gets these guys motivated and yeah I mean it's it's going to be tough I mean you know there is a lot of um you know playing down to your opponents so to speak or just not being as crisp as you need to be from time to time I mean this is college football is such a grind of a season now I mean you know you, mm-hmm. you're, you're talking 15 games I mean that's an NFL type type season if you go all the way and it, and it's tough it's tough to get up every single week and. and you know, place the importance on a game, and you know, especially like in Illinois, where you know they just fired their coach and their athletic director, and their team's in turmoil. I mean, and everything else that's going on, and and you're just more talented than everybody else that you're that you're going to play for the most part. So, I think that this this team, though, I think that if you look at, like you said, the Virginia Tech game, you look at the Penn State game, coming into this, I, I think that this rivalry with Michigan State that has occurred over the last three or four years. Um, it, you know, that's a, a thing that, that this team is going to focus on as well. And, and I think that, again, Urban's just a, he's a good big-game coach. And, and, you know, I mean, I think that these guys are talented enough. And the way that they've approached the season, kind of breaking it down into, and, you know, this is basically the playoffs now. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. right. one loss, and, 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 you and, you know, I don't think Ohio State is going to get the benefit of the doubt with the one loss anymore. Uh, just because they, they haven't really played – I guess up to potential, you know, in, in the uh, in the committee's eyes, as you as you've seen by by where they keep placing these guys, and you know, in the in the ranking. So uh, basically, you're in a you're in a you're in a one game playoff, you know, every week, you know, for the next five games. I mean, and that's just the way it's going to be. And, and I think that he's going to be able to rally the troops around that. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about. This isn't something that we've really touched on. I think a lot so far, but you know, this is Braxton Miller's last game in Ohio Stadium. Right. Like that's it's pretty much this and it's done. 
and they've kind of struggled yeah. a little bit, I think, in recent weeks to get him involved. Uh, wh- what do you think they're going to do for this kind of blowout special? Do you think they really are going to kind of step it up or going to unveil some packages we haven't seen, or is it just kind of going to be more of the same? You know, I, I don't know exactly what you're going to see. I, I, I don't think that, that Urban and, and the you – know, I don't think that there's something special necessarily planned for Braxton Miller. Um, I, it's probably what they've been practicing the, the entire year. I mean, and it just – you know, it was really interesting how that game was called against Illinois on the offensive side. I mean, it really was like – you got the feel that that was like a spring game type of offensive game plan that they put in, that they were holding back and they didn't want to show things and they – you know, just wanted to get through this and, and run some basic stuff and and try to, uh, you know, get get out of Champagne with a win. Because, I mean, we've seen a lot of different uh, elements from Braxton Miller, you know, lining up in the backfield and, and doing a lot of different things. I mean, and, and, you know, Urban always talks about, you know, having to get in touches. I mean, he had one touch uh, last week. So I, I think you're going to see more of the, uh, you know, more openness in this offense, and, and that'll include Braxton Miller. I mean, you, you've got to try to use him. He's still, you know, uber dangerous threat, and you've got to try to get him the ball in good situations. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think it's it's a great story, though. I mean, for him to, to come back, I mean, he's going to be in Ohio. He's still – I think I saw when Zeke went to third on the list, Braxton's still like fifth on the all-time rushing list. I think and, he's sixth, I mean, that's yeah. Just, uh, yeah, fifth or sixth. I mean, that's that's incredible. I mean, you know, for a, right. for a quarterback and for a, you know, for a guy who's now a, a wide receiver to be sixth on the all-time rushing list <laughs> at Ohio State, where there's some pretty decent names on that list with him, is uh, is, is pretty remarkable. So, uh, you know, I, I think that that Braxton, you know, you go back into his career, and he's always seemed to shine at the brightest moments, and, and we're starting to get into those moments right now with the Michigan State, Michigan games, Big Ten championship, and then hopefully playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of Braxton, have we seen Braxton Miller's last pass as a Buckeye? Are they masking the fact that he, his shoulder is immobile and he can't throw anymore? Or are we going to see the old Braxton airing it out? I think you're going to see Braxton throw a pass at some point here in the next four or five games. I just, I, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've seen him throw the football. Like, I've seen it with my own eyes, so I know it's uh-huh. possible. <laughs> so, it's not like his arm is going to fall off. If, if you know he tries to throw the football, I just I think that um, you know when he's back there in the backfield, there's not a defensive coordinator in the country that is telling his DBs don't worry about him throwing, just run up there as fast as you can. No, you know the threat of him throwing the football, every defense coordinator is preparing for that already. So I, I think that uh, are you going to be able to catch someone off guard with it? I don't know if you. I mean, honestly, I don't think you are. I think that these guys are, are preparing for it week in and week out, and it's a it's a thing where maybe he has an option, and and you know he looks at the defense and sees it. And he's like, okay, they're you know they're going to sit back, and so you know I'm going to take the take what the defense gives me. So I don't know if you need him to throw the the football though. I mean, I, I think that you just you you run this offense the way that it's meant to be run. He's now an H back slot back wide receiver in this offense, and that's what he's going to do. If he has to, I think if something would have happened with Cardell Jones in the Minnesota game, I think you absolutely would have saw Braxton Miller throwing, throwing, throwing the football around. But mm. I think that uh, so it, it's not a necessity. Yeah, and, and that's that's kind of what I was thinking about because like. You you look at all the other weapons on the team, and I think one of the assumptions was going into the season that that would just be another one. But like you said, even the threat is is enough, honestly, to keep teams honest. 
Um, is there a player or anybody that you're looking out for maybe against Michigan State or even Michigan to really kind of break out and, and do something maybe we haven't seen yet so far? You know, I think that, that we're, we're still seeing, um, I don't know if it's a breakout kind of a, a, a deal, but I think Jalen Marshall still has a lot of potential on the offensive side of the ball that he, you know, I don't think he's had his best game of the season yet, and I think that he is going to break out and have one here in these last uh, last couple games, at least one one game where he's going to do what he did last year, you know, a four-touchdown game against Indiana or something like that. I mean, he just – he has that potential, and it just doesn't seem like he's been able to find a groove with JT Barrett, you know, or with the quarterbacks or whoever it's been so far this year. But I, I think that he is a guy who's, who's really going to – to, to still have a big game left in them. On the defensive side of the football, you know, I think that, uh, you know, we're seeing a, a really good – I don't know if it's a guy who's going to have a breakout, but I'll tell you, it's a guy that I've been impressed with all year long on the defense, and that's Gary Conley. I think he's done a phenomenal job coming in and playing the cornerback role. He tackles great. I mean, that's one of the things that I think that we've seen in the secondary for a while was the, was the missed tackles, and, and I, I don't think that he's missed one yet this year. He's doing a great job in coverage, and you know he's going to be tested here in the next couple uh, couple weeks. All right, Matt Finkus, uh, our good friend, friend of the program for Finkus on Football. We really appreciate your insight on Ohio State against uh, the upcoming opponents from East Lansing, and uh, we're going to have you back on next week, of course, to talk about the game. Sounds good, guys. Talk to you soon. All right, well, joining us this week is, uh, we're really happy to have him back, Scooney Penn, former Ohio State great basketball player. Uh, Scooney, how you doing tonight? I'm good, I'm good. I can't complain. How you guys doing? Pretty good. Oh, doing doing outstanding, outstanding. One, uh, Really glad to have you on uh, with the start of Ohio State basketball season. Uh, you know, just happened uh, over the weekend. And uh, I wanted to kind of start out by asking, you know, what do you think is a realistic uh, outlook for this year's team and and you know what? What can Ohio State fans sort of expect uh, in the post D'Angelo Russell era? Well, I mean, usually looking, in, you know, looking forward to Ohio State season. Um, in the last what is it, eleven, twelve years of Satamata's career, uh, we always anticipated twenty plus win, uh, chance to compete in the Big Ten and in an NCAA berth. But this year, I think it's a little different. Being a, having having a very young team, being probably the youngest team in Division One basketball. Not much experience, losing a leading scorer, um, losing a senior that you lost. Uh, realistically, this is a team that we want to see improve game to game throughout the season. But in the middle of the pack of the Big Ten would be, for me, would be a success. Um, postseason, right now, looking at this team, you know, hopefully being an NIT type team, because when you're young, you know, as young as these guys are, it's really tough, especially in a tough Big Ten. Well, I gotta say, I, one of the things that I was thinking about is in the past several years, you know, Ohio State fans were looking at the basketball season and going, "All right, this is the dude that we got to, you know, concentrate on. This is the guy we're gonna really like." You know, if we don't know much about the rest of the team, this is the guy we're really gonna root for. You know, D'Angelo and and Aaron Kraft and you know, Sully and all those other guys. Like, who's who's who do you think is gonna develop into that this season as the guy that everybody kind of keys on to to kind of root for and get excited about? Well, that's, I think that's a given. To me, it's going to be uh, Jay Sean Tate. Uh, he's so electrifying. He's full of energy. Um, and, 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 you know, although he's a sophomore, he played really big minutes last year. 
and uh, he's shown that he's uh, not afraid of pressure. I mean, I've been watching his kid for a very long time, very, being very close with his dad, and um, he's fearless on the court. He plays very tough. He's improving his game on the perimeter, but we know every night in, night out, you're going to get 100% effort. He's going to be a guy who hustles down on the floor, full of energy, tenacity, and um, he's going to be a crowd favorite here with Ohio State. Scooney, one of the uh, knocks on on Thad over the last few years uh, is, is, you know, he's brought in a couple of centers that have have done very well and and have been very talented guys. But, you know, he's also brought in some guys that have been pretty high recruits that haven't really developed over the course of their college careers. Mm -hmm. When you look at Ohio State's front court, what do you see in terms of of which guys do you think will will develop and, and sort of separate from the pack? Oh, I mean, this is tough because, um, you know, yeah, I think sometimes that, that model does get an uh, unfair um, knock on guys not developing. But, yeah, he has some good young talent. I mean, if we're going to consider Mark Loving a front court player, I mean, he's the guy that I think is going to really have to develop more of a, a perimeter game. Um, he's capable of being in the in, – I'm sorry about that – He's definitely capable of being inside the paint, but he's the one guy that I think is going to have to score on the block, but also have the ability to stretch out the defense and um, hit big shots. So speaking of Thad Mott a little bit, because Thad, I, I think Ohio State really, really lucked out with the dude. Um, I was kind of wondering, like, where do you think he's at in his career right now? I mean, the guy's been with Ohio State for a long time. I think maybe you know, with some of the health issues and other things that he's dealing with, maybe he's looking to the future a little bit. Just looking back, I guess, on Thad, you know, is this, like, I don't know, just maybe can you contextualize where the team was when he first started, right? Like where the program was when he first got here to where it is now. Um, I think he's done an exceptional job. I really do. Um, you know, me not being coached by him and being an O'Brien – Right. I thought the program was at a good place. I know it was a down year the year before O'Brien was fired. But if you look at the year before that, he won the Big Ten uh, tournament. He won the Big Ten title. We were in the Final Four. And we also won the Big Ten. So it wasn't like Ohio State was far from, you know, being good. It right. was just that that was that bad down year. And then Fed Mata comes along. And the first year they weren't very good. The next year they were better, went to the tournament. And then it was a good explosion with the 07 recruiting class with Odin, Conley, um, Cook, and Mighty, and those guys. And then they took off. So, you know, I give Fedemont a great credit. He's done a phenomenal job with Ohio State over the years and what he's done. But looking back, um, I thought O'Brien had the program in a very good place. If you, I mean, it, it would be a different conversation if Fedemont had O'Brien's spot. So where the right. program was before O'Brien got here, was very different. You know, we inherited a different beast when I got here to play at Ohio State. Um, that motto, if you think about it, the team was only a couple years away from winning a Big Ten title and a Big Ten tournament title already. So uh, he's done a great job in the last 11 years, or what, 10 or 11 years, I think it is. And he's put the program, you know, um, great stature. He's, he's went to the Final Four two times, a number of Big Ten titles, uh, a lot of guys going to the NBA. But, you know, we haven't won a national championship, and I think he's had a couple teams that had the ability to do so. But um, when it's all said and done, the man's legacy is going to be tremendous here. 
You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was um, a, a player that I, I kind of am intrigued by is uh, Keita Bates-Diop. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's one of those kind of guys who you really not I, I'm I, I like watching him. I'm not really sure what his ceiling is. What when you look at him play, what do you think his ceiling is as a player? I think he has a really good ceiling. Um, for me, he he's going to be the type of player that he has to develop more of a, a perimeter game. I mean, he's a really good shooter. He's more of a guy who can you know shoot stairs, still jumpers, maybe a one pull up jumper. But for him to extend his game, sort of like Mark Loving. These guys are going to have to be able to create their own shot. They're going to have to be able to get by a guy and get to the rim, maybe get by a guy and create for someone else. I think that's what he's lacking because he really is an exceptional shooter. He has great size. Uh, the young man competes. But uh, I, he, he lacks right now the ability to play on the perimeter where he's going to have to play to be successful. You know, one of the things that the team you know did in their Mount St. Mary's game, they won by uh, 22, I think. Uh, they shot you know, the three pretty well. It wasn't like you're talking about the perimeter. I mean, it wasn't, you know, insane. They, they hit six of 15, I think. Um, is that something that they really need to develop if they want to challenge some of the, the bigger, maybe more experienced teams of the Big Ten? Yeah, I, it, it's kind of weird to say this, but um, people who, you know, kind of understand the game, they'll know what I'm talking about when I say it. But Ohio State is going to have to play like a mid-major. Yeah. Um, and I say mm-hmm. that because um, – like a lot of mid-major teams, they're young. They have a couple of juniors, sophomores, a senior probably, although there's no senior in Ohio State. And, and, and they win games by, you know, playing tough, but also having these games where they hit a number of three-pointers that keep them in the game. And we might find Ohio State in that situation at times because we're not sure of the interior scoring that they will have, which has been a, a problem for Ohio State in the last, I don't know how many years. But, um, if you can't score consistently in the paint, then you're going to have to rely on some outside shooting. And it's going to be important that Ohio State has the ability to knock down shots. You know, uh, Scooty, one of the things that, that I, I was wondering about for this season, because it's a young team, is, uh, you know, Thad Mata's hung his hat on, on defense. The, the team sort of defense creates offense for this mm-hmm. team, and that's kind of been his, his, his calling card. Is that the hardest part to teach a young team is to is to get after it on the defensive end, or or is a younger team more malleable, and you're able to shape them because you have you know you they're not they they've not gotten bad habits they're not they've not been around kind of relying on their talent for a few years. Well, I think it's extremely hard. Uh, one thing I think you can get from the young talent is the effort. The young players they're eager to learn. They go out there and give a hundred percent effort because they all want to play, but the teaching part of it is so tedious. There's so many different elements. It's a new game for these young men coming into college now. Um, some of these guys being sophomores, they didn't play that much. Understanding that we have some really tough games, really tough games ahead of us. The defensive schemes have to be constant. You have to be able to you know, be on your P's and Q's all the time with help defense and switching defenses. So it's not as easy as you may think it is because you have young players that will just listen and do what you tell them, and they don't have the bad habits of being probably juniors or seniors. But then again, these guys, the IQ, the learning, the whole process of the way he wants defense played, it takes a lot of teaching. Um, so a lot of a lot of we, a lot we will see with this young team is they will give a lot of effort early on, but they'll make a lot of mistakes. There'll be some breakdown breakdown because they're not used to playing with one another, and the trust issue is definitely a problem early on in the season. 
You know what? I actually really want to ask about the defense because one of the things that Thad Mata's teams have been able to do really, really well throughout his entire time here is play hard, aggressive defense, clamp down on you know the other team's leading score, but not foul so much. Like how was mm-hmm. like what kind of techniques, what kind of strategy is used to allow that to even happen? Well, I, I, I'll give it to him. He's had a guy in the forefront for many years to kind of make it easier on guys. You know, if you think about it, you had uh, Shannon Scott last year. You had right. it for four years. You had Aaron Kraft, who probably one of the best on the ball, ball you know, defensive players, you know, in NCAA history. Um, he, you know, but then he had Greg Oden as a rim protector before Mike Conley defensively, JJ Sullivan, David Lighty. He's had guys who can lock up, and a lot of times, especially on the on the perimeter, if you have a guy that can start it, everyone else will kind of follow suit. But I know from watching these guys in practice a lot that they do pay a lot of attention on playing without using your hands, playing without committing fouls, not giving the other team advantage to get to the line and score easy baskets. It's just something that he constantly pounds into these young men's heads that, you know, we got to play with our feet. we got to constantly move our feet and stop playing with our hands. Although Aaron Kraft played with his hands a lot, he got away with it because he moved his hands, his feet so good. So I think it's just a constant reminder of, guys, listen, First and foremost, the guys are in good position. In practice, they teach a lot of good position. A lot of times you're in position, then you will limit your fouls. A lot of times you make fouls because you're out of position and you're hustling to get back in position. So uh, that's very important to him and his staff is teaching guys being in the right place at the right time. So, Scooney, how do you see the Big Ten shaping up this year? You know, who, who's your favorite to, to take it all? And, 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 like, how many teams do you see getting in the, in the tournament this year? Uh, Big Ten is, is definitely has to be the toughest, toughest conference in the in the country. You know, once again, um, that seems like that's the case every year. But Maryland, from top to bottom, is tough. You know, you have uh, the point guard like they have in Tremble, then you have uh, Jake Lehman, and then you have, um, uh, what's his name, Suleiman, transfer from Duke. They have another transfer in, I think, from Florida State. They have veteran guys. But then you have a team like Purdue who has unbelievable size, some good veterans also. And then, of course, then you have Tom Izzo at Michigan State and what they do and the guys they have. And you have Valentine as a leader uh, for that team. Michigan, if Paris Levert can play well, come back from an injury, they'll be a team that will be a serious problem. But then there's Indiana, which might have the best backcourt. You have Yogi Ferrell, who's personally my favorite player in the Big Ten, who can control the whole game at the point guard position. So I think it's open. Right now you have to give the edge to Maryland or Michigan State. But it's really like maybe a five-team race that can really win it because Indiana's a good team also. Um, but then you have Illinois, who had a tough, a tough loss, but they have some good players also. Northwestern's a team you really can't sleep on. You know, they're improving. That new coaching staff has things going in the right direction. And I think this is what makes it so tough for Ohio State because, I mean, I've named six or seven teams that I think that will all be ahead of Ohio State when it's all said and done. So uh, the Big Ten definitely be a tough conference with Maryland and Michigan State, I say, um, duking it out for that top spot. Do you think that, I mean, those great, there are, like you said, there's tons of great teams that project really well. I know this is like going way in the future, but the last time a Big Ten team won a national championship, I believe it was Maryland uh, in the early 2000s. I mean, do you think they have a, like, is, is, they have, is this the year? Do they have that shot to, to end that? Um, there's a great, there's a good shot. It's crazy you asked me this because I did a questionnaire for the Big Ten. Uh, network a week ago, and the question was, one of the questions was, um, do you think that 
you know, the big talent in the streak of not winning the national championship. Yeah. And um, we, we've had some close calls. Ohio State's team in 07, I think, was good enough to win it. Indiana had a couple shots at it. Uh, there's been some good teams. Illinois was a good team, but it just hasn't happened. And this year it could, just like every other year. We have probably two or three teams that can be Final Four teams. But to bring home that ultimate trophy, you know, we start looking around the landscape of the country and, you know, you know, Duke every year was really tough and you have Kentucky out there and then you have your Arizona's, North Carolina is a really tough team this year. But Maryland's a team I think in Michigan State, those are two teams I think can play with any of the teams I just named. So this year, yeah, there's definitely a good possibility that Ohio State can bring home a national I mean, sorry, the Big Ten can bring home a national championship. <laughs> oh yeah, man, I'm getting I don't excited. No, 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 I wouldn't um I know the odds are against us, and uh, I, I, I wouldn't take it because not, not this year, huh? Not um, this year, Scooney, uh, Before we let you get out of here, I just I had one more question I need to ask mm-hmm. you, and that is recruiting. And that is obviously John Calipari can sell Kentucky, but why does he continue to get like everybody? Why does this guy just keep sucking up all the five stars? What's going well, on down there? Well, it, it's it's simple because. If you think about it as kids, right, our goal and our dream is to be an NBA player, NFL, or major league player, whatever the kid is, right? And you want to take the proper steps to get you there. So if I'm a kid and I'm one of the top kids in the country and I'm looking for the next level because, you know, let's be realistic. These kids that are the All-Americans, they're thinking beyond college. So what program is best to get you to that, to that, to that goal? Since you have to go to college right now because that's the rule, well, What's the proper stepping stone? Well, Kentucky is up top. You know, Calipari, he runs a pro program. You figure NBA scouts at your practice all year. Um, you have like a pro day there where you scrimmage and all the scouts are there watching you. So what better way, you know, what situation would you go to? That's like saying if you want to be, you know, everyone goes to Harvard, you know, and everyone goes, goes going to go to Yale and Princeton. Well, if basketball is what you want to do, then you're going to go to Kentucky or you might go to North Carolina, or you might go to Duke. So Calipari just has a great machine going right now, and he has the best tool. He can walk into any kid's house and say, you want to go to the NBA? Look at my resume. Look how many guys that go to the NBA from the University of Kentucky every single year. And for an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid to see that, it's hard to say no if John Calipari asks you to come play at Kentucky and can just about guarantee you, you know what, I can't guarantee you'll be in the NBA, but I guarantee you, you'll get a fair look. You'll get a look than any other university by coming to Kentucky. Oh, man. I was That was a lot longer. I thought you were just going to say he's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, nah, I wouldn't say that about Coach Calipari. I wouldn't say that because if I was saying about Coach Calipari, then I might have to say that about a lot more coaches across the country. <laughs> Kentucky. But uh, nah, he, he does a great job. He's a great salesman. That's what he is. He's a salesman, and he does a great job at it. Fair enough. Scooty Penn, thanks so much for coming back on the Dubcast. We really appreciate having you. And, and you know, I'll probably have you back at some point just to talk about the one-and-done rule, uh, you know, by itself, because that could be like a whole show. Yeah, definitely can. Well, hey, guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And that's just about an 11 Dubcast uh, for this week. And uh, we would, of course, like to thank our guests, Scooney Penn, the uh, the incredible Scooney Penn, really happy to have him on this week uh, to talk a little bit about the opening of the Buckeye basketball season. And also thanks to our good buddy Matt Finkus for Finkus on Football 
Uh, good stuff once again from our good friend Matt. Uh, Johnny, before we get out of here, I got a final question for you, as always. Hit me up. Let's do it. All right. So uh, here's my question. The Michigan Wolverines have escaped with their lives uh, against both Minnesota and Indiana this year. Yes. If you, other than Ohio State, if you could choose a team to just torment Michigan forever and beat them like you know every nine times out of every ten, yeah. what Big Ten school would you like Michigan to bow down to? Oh, God, Northwestern. It's not even close. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Northwestern in a second. Look, nor- okay, so Northwestern, first of all, Northwestern is my spirit animal. I-, I want Northwestern to be good just because I love the idea of those nerds just being good somehow. But Northwestern is really the embodiment of everything that I think Michigan thinks that they are. You know, like, we're this great academic school, but we also play football. Meh, 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 meh. I want to see Northwestern just, like, taken to the woodshed every single chance that they get because that would be so amusing to me. For Michigan to get angry and then come up with, like, fake reasons to hate Northwestern, like, they're not really focused on academics like we are. Meh, meh, meh. Just to, to try to figure out or to watch the mental gymnastics of Michigan fans to try to hate Northwestern would be glorious. Northwestern in a heartbeat every time. Awesome. I'm going to go with Rutgers uh, just because <laughs> that would also be really, you know, it would just be so funny. That's like the opposite like, though, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like every time like Michigan's got this great, here we go. We're going to win. We're going to win the big 10. No Rutgers knocks them out. Yeah. It's like some big fat, like Italian mobster, just like going to somebody's house and just trashing the place and like, all right, all right, we're out of here. Bye. <laughs> and like, we'll be back next year. Jerks. But that'd be amazing. Rutgers is also it, it would, a very good choice. It would just be funny to to have them like just tormented by Rutgers every year, um, because Rutgers is not very good. No, they're not. Um, so not that's it. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, you know, that's a that's a dubcast, Johnny. I think that's uh, that's going to be it for the uh, the week. And um, of course, when we meet again next week, we'll uh, be talking about the Michigan State result and. Um, Probably have a little bit more about the the basketball team, but really we're going to focus on the game next yeah, week. It's Michigan week, baby. Uh, that's going to yeah. be that's going to be sweet. Uh, let's let's get pumped for a new ten year war here. Yeah, and I'm I'm really looking forward to to next week too because that's uh you know that's when the the Mirror Lake jump videos come out yeah, and all buddy. that. So it's, that's always fun to watch kids just cutting loose out there. We di- we didn't have the Mirror Lake jump when I went to school there. Really? Oh, I guess not because that started like early. Well, I don't know. It was kind of, wasn't it like kind of the tail end or beginning of uh, when you were there? No, I don't think. When was that? When did you graduate? Well, I left in, like, my my graduation year was 96, so the spring of 96. I thought they were doing it back then. Uh, If they did it, then it was just really small at the time. Yeah, it could be, but it was definitely not. I was living, God, I was all the way out in Dublin then. Or no, Hilliard. I was in Hilliard, so it was like. You know, I wasn't really plugged into the campus right. thing my, my last year. My last year was just like, I'm out in Hilliard. I'm working two jobs. I'm just <laughs> wanna get, I just want to get done with school. Right. I don't want to so, get an infection so, in a pond. So that's where it was. I have November. actually been in – I've been in Mirror Lake before, actually. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it wasn't part of the official jump. But, yeah, I actually uh, jumped in once, and when I got out, there was a big hunk of glass stuck in the bottom of my shoe. Oh, so I'm God. glad I left my shoes on. Yeah, because I, I think it would have went right through my foot. Oh, God. Yeah, it would have been. Uh, I would have been like surgery tendons repaired and stuff like that. That's, it was nasty. That's bad. So be careful, students. Be careful. And uh, you know, we'll until next week. You know, I'm Michael Citron. I'm John Ginner. 
Peace out.